Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Hey, church. Good morning. Good chilly morning here in the wonderful semi-tropical south. My name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here. I am so glad you came out. This is your first time with us. Welcome. Make yourself at home. Did you guys make it through Valentine's Day okay? Everybody happy, smiling? You know, I read that on Valentine's, just I guess yesterday, Americans spend 18.9 billion dollars on Valentine's. 18.9 billion. That's about 142 dollars and 31 cent. Per person. Now, some of you are looking at the person by you going, you did not spend that on me. And I am so above average, but you, you know, you weren't even near average. What in the world? Uh, but here's another statistic or another number. We spent $703 million on our pets yesterday for Valentine's. Yes, $5.28 per animal. So there you go. We must like Valentine's Day. Hey, I found some really cool gifts for guys if you want to pick one up. This first one is, it comes from a company called Man Crate. And uh, yeah, this, we just had the, you know, the Super Bowl. And so they have the NFL barware crate. And, uh, you know, that's only like $89.99. Uh, it, it comes in a sealed wooden crate with a laser etched crowbar. There's no bow, there's no ribbons, no fluff, and absolutely no instructions. So, there you go. For you ladies, though, I thought, let, let me find something for you ladies. It's like, if, if, if your significant other really loves you, they might want to get you a dozen of these orchids. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. They're only $5,000 each. And I mean, you wouldn't take just one. You'd want a dozen, right? Or how about this bouquet of origami money? There it is. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, it is. That's only $266,000. That's right. Or maybe you're thinking, I just want to get her a nice card. Just a real sweet card. So here's a very nice card. 23 karat gold. Uh... With precious stones, it's only $3,950. And it looks like my granddaughter did it. And uh, I think we're going to make some money this time next year. So the last one I want to show you is everybody loves perfume. And uh, this box of perfume, it must be unbelievable because it's $215,000 for that perfume. So all you guys, I want you to write it down right now. This is by Clive Christian. Imperial Majesty perfume, and to make sure you pick this up next week. We can find, uh, we can really find some crazy things to spend our money on, can't we? And we've been in a seven-week series looking at the uh, various areas of health that we want to see transformed in our life as followers of Christ. This week we're going to look at financial health and 
What can we do to, to change? And our banner scripture has been Romans 12 too, where it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the way you think of your mind. And so the way we think about our finances has everything to do with how we handle our finances. And so today we're going to look at that. We've looked at spiritual health. We've looked at physical health. We've looked at mental health, emotional health, relational health. And as I said, today we're going to look at financial health. So let's pray and we're going to jump into it. You have uh, in your handout, you have a fill-in and you should have received a pen as well. And you're welcome to just to follow along with me when we jump into this. And uh, you can take that, put it inside your journal that we're using for this series as well. Father, thank you for some time together today to talk about an area that's so sensitive and that we really do need our thinking transformed. Father, help us to uh, open our hearts and not bar the doors this morning. Help us to open our hearts to you so that we can learn and we can be changed. Free us, Lord, in this area of finances. And uh, Jesus, we're going to need your help for this. Just like you told this story to your disciples and to that group of people that were standing close by to hear it, we're going to need you to speak to us if there's any hope for us to change. And so we ask for you to speak. We open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may know or you may not know that Jesus talked a lot about money. Matter of fact, half of the parables are about money or money management. One out of six verses out of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what they call the synoptic gospels, one out of every six verses in those three gospel accounts is about money or money management. Why? Because money has a tremendous ability to hurt us or to hurt others or to be a great blessing. i got a new microphone here and I'm wrestling with it, so bear with me. And uh, if we don't learn how to manage our money well, then our money is going to manage us. And I think right now we know whether we're managing our money or if it's managing us. And so my prayer, again, is that indeed we would learn to manage it well. We're going to be over in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13 this morning. Jesus is going to tell a story. It's called a parable. And uh, here's the setting. His disciples are there. And there's a group called the Pharisees that are there. Pharisees are the religious bigwigs of the day. They are very wealthy. They're very powerful. They have a lot to lose, it seems. And so they're very defensive. They're arrogant, prideful, egotistical, and very controlling. And so Jesus has been having conversations with them. But I love this setting because, as you can see from the first verse, it says, Jesus told this story to his disciples. So it's kind of like when you want someone to hear you over, you know, they can hear you telling someone else a story because you want it for them too. So he turns to his disciples because he wants them to be transformed, to be discipled in how they handle their money and their possessions. But he wants the Pharisees to get the point as well. So he's talking to both of these groups, his disciples He wants to see them discipled in this area and also the Pharisees that are standing right next to him who have lots of money, lots of prestige, and he wants them to hear it as well. So let's let's read this. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, 
What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Uh, know what? I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. The manager, the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly positions are gone, possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot. Jesus didn't say it's going to be tough to serve God and money. He said you cannot serve both. You can't. So we're going to start with that premise because without that, then the rest of the story won't count as much. So we need, we need to decide now if Jesus knows what he's talking about. You cannot serve God and serve money. So this story is going to show us how not to let money be our master, but it's also going to show us how to make it our servant. That's where we're headed today, because you are either the master of your money or your money is your master. Now, this is, this is a tough sermon, right? Because, I mean, for some reason, we Americans are very sensitive when it comes to our money. It's not like this in other places, but uh, in America, we are very touchy when anybody talks about our money. But those of us who are trying to follow Christ and we want every area of our lives transformed, we need to hear this. I need to hear this. We as a church need to hear this. And so though it's a sober sermon, it's so encouraging because God has given us help in this. And I can tell you right now, A lot of us in this room, not because I know you, I just know people. A lot of us need help in this area. A lot of us do. So let's see what Jesus has for us. This parable, if you just take a cursory look at it, it looks like he's complimenting this guy for, for his dishonesty. But that's not the point. I tell you guys all the time, Jesus is such a beautiful storyteller that he sets the tension up. Because he has a guy that's dishonest and is losing his job over his dishonesty. So he sets this tension up, but at the same time, he is saying he's shrewd. 
Now, shrewd's not a bad word. In our vocabulary, we may use it and think, well, being shrewd's not, not good, but listen to the real definition of shrewd. Having or showing a clever awareness or resourcefulness, especially in practical matters. That's a good thing, right? It's good to be shrewd. And that is what Jesus is complimenting this guy over, is over his shrewdness, that he is showing a clever awareness of the resources that he has, especially in practical matters when it comes to him about to lose his job. And so Jesus is speaking to his disciples to disciple them, and he's speaking to the Pharisees to try to out them on their love of money and their love of prestige. And so that's where we are. Now, in your handout today, your first section is called What Not to Do with Money. So if you want to take it out, take your pen out. Like I said, you'll get a little more out of it if you follow along this way. Uh, We put this together so that you can take it, put it in your journal for this whole series, and you can look at it, take it into your small group. But hey, if you take this sermon today and you take these notes that are going to be filled in, and you take them away from here and you think and pray over this, I promise you some things will change if you'll do that. So I'm just encouraging you to follow along Fill in your notes this morning. What not to do with money? Your first one is this. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Luke 16, 1 in our text. The manager was wasting his employer's money. Don't waste it. We're never going to get anywhere in financial help if we go around saying, it's my money, I can spend it on whatever I want. If I want to waste it, I can waste it. If I want to splurge and I just want to... It's my money, Tim. Nobody has the right to tell me how to spend my money. Well, we're trying to learn from Jesus this morning, right? And in this story of the shrewd manager, it says... He had wasted his employer's money. So we don't want to waste it. Secondly, we don't want to love money. We don't want to love it. Don't love it. Luke 16, 13, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. I think it's interesting that when we talk about money a lot of times in church, it becomes despicable in some ways. Do you notice this scripture? We push back on it the minute we start talking about it many times because we'll either love one thing or we'll hate the other. And so we don't want to love money. You can't have two bosses. Some of you guys have had jobs where you had two bosses, right? One comes in and tells you one thing, right? And you go, okay, I got my orders. I know what to do. And then another one comes in and goes, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do this. And so your whole day, your whole week is just running between two masters and actually neither one of them end up being your master. Well, Jesus is saying you can't have it both ways here. You can't have God as a master and you can't have money as a master. You can't love money and love God as well. Don't waste it. Don't love it. And your third one, don't trust it. Don't trust it. Luke 16, 3 Uh, He was trusting his money, and then he goes, I love this response. Now what? You know, now what? What am I going to do? Because it's gone. I put my trust in it, and it's gone. Now what? My boss has fired me. You ever had one of those now what moments? Maybe like four years ago in the recession. Now what? 
You had a job, then suddenly you didn't have one. You had a savings account. You had a retirement fund. And then it was a now what moment. It's gone. You trusted in it. You thought it would always be there. Then it's a now what. What am I going to do? That which I trusted in is gone. You know, you need, I need to put my trust in something that cannot be taken away from me. I need to put my trust, I need to put it in something that is secure. Something secure. Something that no one can take away. No recession can take away me. Not illness. Nothing. And there's only one thing I know like that. And that is the love of God. That is what Christ did for us. When He was nailed to the cross, He secured His love for you and secured for you a place with Him that can never be robbed. You cannot be taken away from Him if you've done that. We put our trust in something that cannot be taken away because as long as we put our trust in anything that can be suddenly taken and gone, we're, we're, we're just in a mess. Again, we can put our trust in our appearance for a little while, right? Some of us. You put your trust in that, wait till you get a little older, you know. It's not gonna be a, you're not going to be as sexy as you are right now forever. No, 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 no. Not going to happen. No, it's not, it's not. Hey, you know, you get a little older, it's not going to be there. You know, you put your trust in that, and one day it's gone. You look in the mirror, you go, what the heck? <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, you put your trust in that, it's gone. You put your trust in your health. A lot of us like to stay healthy. We want to, and we're happy that we feel good and we can do certain things, but that's no promise it's always going to be there. I mean, tomorrow it could be taken from you, either through age or illness. If you put all your trust in that, then suddenly it's gone. Where are you going to be? You need to put your trust in something that cannot be robbed, some security, something that will always be there for you every single moment, every day. Through eternity and your job, security in your job. I got a great job. I love my job. I could never lose my job. Sure you could. Sure you can lose your job. I thought I had a job one time that I could never lose. And I got taught wrong. I could lose it. I did lose it. And then what do you do? Where is your trust? Where is your security once those things you trust so wholly in have been taken from you? You need to have trust in something. It can't be robbed, can't be taken, won't die, won't grow old, won't fade. Security has to be built around something that can never be taken from you or me. So don't waste it, don't love it, and don't trust it. And your fourth one, don't expect it to satisfy. Don't expect it to satisfy. Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 11 says, Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, Watch out, be on your, on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. John D. Rockefeller, who is still considered probably to have been the wealthiest person ever in America, even back in the early 1900s, he was a billionaire. And when they asked him how much money was enough, he said, just a little bit more. 
And that's what he lived his life for, just a little bit more. And then he was gone, and so was his wealth. It went to someone else. He couldn't take that with him. And listen, your self-worth has no connection to your net worth. Your self-worth has no connection to your net worth. And your valuables, they do not determine your value. They don't. You might say, I have a lot, so I'm worth a lot. Really? Because it could all be gone tomorrow. It could all be gone. Like that. No, you're not. You know why you're valuable? Because of Jesus Christ. That's why you're valuable. You're valuable because Jesus looked at this earth and His Father looked at this earth and He said, the only way to get them back to my care is through me sending my Son because everything else is insecure in this life. There's no way I'm going to send my Son. My Son is going to go because we love them so much. The debt that they owe, they can never repay unless I pay it. They are bankrupt. The whole world is bankrupt. And somebody has to pay the bill to get them out of bankruptcy. And so God paid it himself. And when he did in Christ, he established your value for all time in the cross. Without that, you're just subject to all of these insecure things that we talk about. Your looks can be gone. Your money can be gone. Your job can be gone. All the things that we live for can be taken from us suddenly if we don't find our satisfaction in something other than money. Don't waste it. Don't love it. Don't trust it. Don't expect it to satisfy. Now, we're going to move into what to remember every day, but I am going to show you, I want to show you a video. Dustin, I, I moved it around, but I'm moving it to here now. Got to give an audible back there. But I think we need a little bit of loosening up here because this is kind of a serious, you know, serious subject. So maybe this will get the point across. Watch this video. What can I tell you about Benjamin? Our friendship started out great. When I was a kid, I only saw him every now and then. But as I got older, he came around more and more. And that was great too. Until he started to sort of take over. Yo, man, get up, man. It's time to go to work, man. What you doing in the bed? Get up, lazy bones. Go. Hey, I don't grow on trees. Come on, man. Time to earn me up some homies, baby. None of us can live without him. But for me, things really got out of control. Toasty O's. Man, you bought generic. We are not toasty old kind of people. What if the neighbors see this in your trash? We are Cheerio folk, Fruity Pebbles, Frankenberry, Pop-Tart folk, man. It's when he took over, nothing was ever good enough. Why didn't we get the movie package? Why didn't we get the movie package? Would it have been too much fun, too majestically awesome to have a universe of entertainment at our fingertips? Fingertips, baby. Almost every piece of mail I got was for him. Hello, little babies. Mm, Pre-approved, just how I like you. Ooh, Circuit City. I can get lost in here. It's like my whole life was about serving him. You missed a spot. Oops. I began to worry about him all day. Yeah, man, I know you're at work and everything, but uh, some guy from Collections, he keep calling here. I tell him only speak pesos, though. No Camprendo Repo, senor. Yeah, mm, uh, Gracias. And all night. Yes, I like to order the Turbo Floss 9000 Rapid Gum Care System. 
And uh, by any chance, do y'all have any of those uh, bedazzlers? Yeah. That was bomb, let me tell you. I had to do something. I had to put him in his place. Lord, man, where you been? I called you like about 50 times. Who's this guy? This better be the guy that's supposed to be putting in my jacuzzi. This is Jim. He's a financial counselor. It wasn't pretty. But Jim helped me get Benjamin under control. Get in the savings chair. Man, get in the note chair. Be firm. Get in the savings chair. You know who I think I am. Hit him with the budget. Man, that ain't doing nothing. Oh, hey, man. Okay, this chair right here. I'm getting in it, man. I'm getting in it. All you have to do is stop, man. You have to say that, man. It really works. Okay. Now, things are different around here. Hey, stop doing bills, man. What are you doing? Come on, man. Oh, oh, my head. Whoa, it's me. It's feeling kind of faint. I need a cash advance, man. Come on. Benjamin is working for me. And remember, no TV until you earn some interest. I even have him working for the church. Is my 10% up yet? Not yet! Show me the me! <laughs> I love that. Hit him with the budget. Hit him with the budget. <laughs> Okay, what to remember every day in your handout and your fill-in. What to remember every day. Number one, it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. We really don't own anything. Everything belongs to God. Everything we see around us, the sky, the be- I mean the earth, everything. What you think you own is actually on loan. What you think you own is actually on loan to you. You didn't own it before you were born. You won't own it when you're gone. So for a little bit of time, you've been given this to manage what God has given you. Notice in the story that the owner lets the manager take care of his property, right? It's all his. You see, we're all in management, all of us here. And some of you do this for a living. You manage property. You have staff, uh, you know what managing things are all about. Some people, you don't own the property, but you put people in the apartments and you see that they're taken care of. Well, this is the same thing. God, whatever we have in our lives as followers of Jesus has been placed on loan to us, given to us to manage and to manage well. It all belongs to God. Um, you just get to take care of it. Actually, everything we have. I mean, when you go home this afternoon and it's chilly when and you go into your warm house and you sit down on your nice couch and you turn the television on, maybe the multiple channels and movies, and uh, you sit down on that, you should say, thank you, Jesus, for my couch. I mean, it's his couch. He put it on loan to you, the bed that you're going to lay in tonight when you get up. You know, it could be gone, but he gave it to you. You get to use it. Your car, your health, every part of your life is on loan from God to you. We get to manage it. And you know what? There's some peace in this because if God is the employer, then he's in charge of the benefits package. (laughs) If we manage what's his, then he's got a benefits package for us that must be really awesome. And uh, and I take a great, great comfort in that. So how well, here's a big question for you. How well are you taking care of God's property? How well are you taking care of God's property? I mean, your money, yes, your finances, your body, your time, your opportunities, your mind, your talents. 
The rest of our verse says that the guy was wasting his, ma- his master's possessions. And any time I waste money, I waste God's money. I know that's hard, but it's true. We're managers over whatever God has given us. And whatever we, you know, we waste anything, we're wasting what God has given us. Number one, it all belongs to God. Number two, money is used to test me. Money is used to test me. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If you want to see where your heart is, Where your treasures are, look at your checkbook, your bank statement, your credit card, or your calendar. You will see what you worship. You will see what you care about. You will see what you love by looking at it. You will. Look and see what you spend the most money on. Look and see what you spend the most time on. And you'll see exactly who you love the most. That's hard, isn't it? Because it's my money, doggone it. But it's really His. It's really His. It all belongs to God. And money is used to test me. And it's used to test us in three ways. And these these are your next fill-ins. And that is that money shows us what we love the most. Money shows us what we love the most. Jesus said it. We couldn't have two masters. We would love one and hate the other. And so when we look at it, if you are courageous enough to leave this place this morning and open your account, if you do it online, and pull it up and take a read through how you spend your money and then go, oh, I see what I love and what I worship. I see where I spend most of my money and then look at your calendar and see how much time you spend I know you guys are bold and courageous, so you can do this. I mean, it's like, you, I don't want to see, I just, you know. Take a look. Take a look and see. That's why we're here. We want to be transformed. We don't want to be conformed. We've been conformed long enough to the pattern of the world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of how we think, how we think about money, our finances, about life. So money is used to test us and show what we love the most. Money also shows what I trust the most. It shows what I trust the most. Proverbs 11, 28 says, Trust in your money and down you go. (laughs) But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. It reveals who or what I have faith in. Am I trusting money for my security? Am I trusting God for my security? When we uh, discover idols in our lives, we can also discover something else. And that is we may find out why God seems distant to us at times. You know, if we have an idol, whether it's money or whether it's something or some sport or whatever, hobby or some person, if we have an idol in our lives, then it pushes God off the throne and there we, go, there we are. We wonder why we don't feel God anymore. Where's God? I don't feel His presence I don't feel his approval anymore. Where is he? Maybe because we put another God up there right now. 
So looking at your bank statement is a good way to find out if you've pushed your money up into that zone where God needs to be. And do a check and look at it. Money shows if what we trust in. And your next fill-in is money also shows us if God can trust us. Boy, I'll tell you what now. I, I, this is tough stuff. That's why I showed you the funny video, okay? Because I know we're digging in here. But you guys are courageous, right? Money shows if God can trust us. And Jesus said it in our passage. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Why? You know, out-of-control finances it can reveal an out-of-control life. It can show that we just are kind of being blown here and there by, by every little thing, and we really don't have our lives in subjection to Jesus. We don't really have them in order. And I'm not preaching down to anybody. I'm just saying we want to be transformed. So let's be bold enough today to look at it and go, you know what, God, nothing changes if nothing changes, and nothing's been changing in this area of my life. So I want to change something so things change because I want to be transformed by your truth, by your scripture. I mean, we need a CEO in our life. We need God in our life to help us. I mean, is your money working for you or are you working for your money? You know how that is every week. Oh, man, I can't wait to get paid. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay my rent. I got to pay my rent. It's like you're working for the money, right? Instead of it working for you. I want to tell you something. Some of you don't think you can dig out of that, but you can. You can. We've got a lot of testimonies in this church of people who are in severe debt, but they were willing to take a look at their lives and willing to do the work. And they dug out of tens of thousands and thousands of dollars of debt, and they're debt-free now because they were willing to say that. You know, nothing's going to change in my financial life unless something changes. So I'm going to... I'm going to change it. I'm going to do something different than I've been doing. So it all belongs to God. These are the things we think about every day. It all belongs to God. Money is used to test me in these three areas. It shows what I love most. It shows what I trust most. And it shows if God can trust me. And then number three under what to remember every day is that money is a tool. Money is a tool. Luke 16, 9, use your worldly resources. I think another version says possessions. It's to be used for God's purposes. Some say that money is the root of all evil, but that's not what the Bible says, is it? It says the what is? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it will get you in all kinds of trouble. The love of money will. It's the love of money. Money is neither good nor bad. It can be used for good things. It can be used for evil. It's the love of money that's where we get in trouble. And money is a tool, just like anything. If you, if you have a garage and you have your spring tools and you're wishing, man, I wish spring would come now. You know, you're going to go out and you're going to start working in your flower beds. You're going to go grab a particular tool and you're going to go use it. That's what money is. It is a tool. Nothing more than a tool to be used for whatever you want to accomplish. And hopefully you want to accomplish what is good and righteous. And good for the kingdom. We're to love people and use money. Not love money and then use people to get it. You get that? We're to love people and use our money. Not love our money and use people. 
That's not it. It's a tool. So how do I use my money for God's purposes? This dishonest uh, manager, uh, the hero of this story, when he finds out he's going to lose his job, he calls in two of the big uh, debtors, you know, that owe his boss a lot of money. One of them owed up to a year and a half wages of someone's wage. Another one owed about six months of wages in the material that were owed. And he tells one, you know, he says, the lower your debt to 50%. And he tells another, lower your debt down till it's only 20% of it. And uh, even his boss, even his boss looks at him and says, boy, you sure are shrewd. Because what did he do? Well, one, he got some money immediately that the boss didn't have. So he got it for his boss. But what else did he do? He made some friends real quick. Because these guys owed that guy a lot of money. So all of a sudden, he's in the goods with these guys. So now when he's put out of his house because he has no money, he says, first of all, you know, I, I don't do physical labor. I'm a white-collar worker. I can't, you know, I can't dig a ditch. That's not my kind of stuff. Secondly, no, I'm too proud to beg. There's no way I'm getting out on the side of the road, outside of the church, and beg for money. So here's what I'll do. I'll call in these debtors. I'll pull a deal with them, and they'll give me a place to stay whenever I lose everything I've got. What is he doing? This is your next fill-in. He is looking ahead. He is looking ahead. And if we're going to do things God's way, we need to look ahead with our finances. He looked ahead. Luke 16, 3, now what? And Proverbs 14, 8 says, The prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. What am I going to do now? You know, you're living in the future right now. You probably asked that question last year. What am I going to do financially? And here you are, a year later, and nothing's changed because nothing's changed. And it's only changed because you haven't changed it. That's the only reason. Don't blame it on anything else. Europe, they save about 12% of their income in Europe. In Japan, they save about 25%. You know what we save in America? Minus 1%. Minus 1%. We spend more than we make. And we're the wealthiest country in the world. And we spend more. The wise man, the wise woman, the wise person looks ahead. They said, there's coming a day when I won't be in this position. There's coming a day when I won't have this much income coming in. There's a coming a day when I may lose things. And I want to prepare for it. Now, here's a hard question. What facts are you not willing to face in your life concerning this this morning? What won't you allow yourself to ask about your finances? What's going to remain the same or this morning are you going to decide to do something different? Because that's the only way things are going to change. Maybe you need to downsize your home, your house. Maybe you need to get a used car, drive it to 150000 or 200000 Maybe you need to tear up your credit cards. Like Benjamin a while ago says, oh, you know, no interest. He loved that one. And uh, maybe you need to get rid of them. The point is, this guy looked ahead. He said, I'm not going to have a job. So I'm looking ahead. Secondly, he made a plan. He made a plan. Luke 16, 4. I know what I'll do. I know what I'll do. Do you know what you'll do? Do you know what you can do right now in your situation financially? Do you have a plan? I know what I'll do. I know it. And I, lo I love that. Hit him with the budget. 
hit him with the budget, you know, to get him in that savings chair. You know, budget is simply a plan on how you will spend your finances. That's what it is. It's you looking at the big picture and going, this is what I am going to spend and no more. And I, I hope you young people can hear me because it won't be long before you're sitting in the same seat many of people like me are. And I hope you have a plan. I hope you look to the future because you can start right now with little and be ready when the time comes. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can. <laughs> Sorry for you that don't know that movie. Uh, so, the point is he looked ahead. What facts do you need to face up to your finances? He looked ahead and he made a plan. He made a plan. I know what I'll do. And then he what? He acted quickly. He acted quickly. He didn't walk out and go, oh, we'll deal with this later. You know, we've been having this conversation forever. Our finances are screwed up. We'll never do it. We only have so much money. We're getting by. We're only four months behind in our rent. It's okay. Get a plan and act quickly. Do something now. Decide something now. He didn't procrastinate. He says, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. And Jesus is commending him for the planning, the long view. He's not just talking about retirement. He's talking about forever retirement. He's talking about the kingdom to come. When heaven comes to earth and God renews everything, he's talking about planning for that day, planning for treasures in heaven when we finally see things the way we always wanted to see them. When Christ comes and restores his kingdom, he looked ahead, he made a plan, he acted quickly. Number four in what to remember every day is the best use of money is to use it for the kingdom of God. Use it for the kingdom of God. And this is so counter-cultural. I hope it's not lost on you. But notice in Luke 16, 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, listen, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus took this story and twisted it right on its nose. The, the manager said, if I do this, someone's going to welcome me into their house because I won't have a place to stay. I won't have an income. Jesus takes this story, twists it, and says, if you will do things and manage well, there are going to be those waiting for you when you get in eternity that will welcome you there. Eternal dwellings. What he's saying is how you invest your money now will assure that there are people on the other side of this life that will welcome you when you get there. Wouldn't it be cool? And I really believe this, that those of you who have supported missions here in the United States, reaching out to people in your churches or here or in missions like Doug and John, our missionaries, and Linus and Sharon, and those, those of you who have supported folks like that financially, that one day when the kingdom comes in its fullness, when heaven comes, that there'll be people there waiting on you. And they may be from Uganda, they may be from South America, Brazil, places that we go to. But you know what? They'll be waving when you get there. They'll be going, hey, I knew, I knew you were supporting that. You're the one that got them to me to hear the gospel. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying through our finances, through taking care of it, we can send it on ahead so that others will get to hear the gospel and be there. I don't know anything any better than spend your money on than that. Hebrews talks about a cloud of witnesses that will be waiting to welcome us home. What are you doing with your finances, with your life? 
with what God has given you to see that others can come to know Jesus Christ. Use your influence. Invest it. Invest your time, your talent in seeing others come. Number five, one day we will give account to God. One day we will give account to God. Luke 16, 2. The master says, give an account of your management. One day there's going to be an audit given. (laughs) Now, this is not out of fear. Like, we're not going to stand there and God's going to say, hey, go to hell, you didn't spend your money. You know, (laughs) that's not what he's talking about. You You get to go, you know, you get to be in the kingdom with God and with all of his followers through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that you have called on, that you've decided to follow because his wooing of you. But this is us being responsible managers over what God has given us. How many of us do not want to stand before God and go, all right, God, show me what you gave me because I, I can't wait to see what was done with it. I can't wait to see what you did when I took what you gave me and I put it out there for your use. Show me the lives that were touched. Show me the hungry that were fed. Show me the children that were taught about you. Show me. Show me. One day we're going to give an account for what God has given us. And your last one is this. If I'm faithful with a little, God can trust me with more. Now that's just right there in that scripture. Luke 16, 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And in Matthew 25, in three verses there, he says the same thing over and over again. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. The faithful. When you're faithful with a little, Jesus says, I'm going to give you more. If you're faithful with the time that you have, with your time management, you're going to get more time. You're going to have more to spend. Same with your money. Same with your talent. Same with your influence. Faithfulness in little ways produces fruitfulness in big ways. Now look, this is all about discipleship this morning. It's all about us being transformed. My prayer for us as a church today is that you will not walk out of here and do the same thing that you've been doing. That you will make a decision to do something different about your financial situation. One thing, different. And I'm gonna, I want to pray for you guys as the band comes up because I know there's such discouragement many times around this issue. You don't feel like you can even take a step out. But I'm telling you, you can. You get in this small group this week, get a journal, and you're going to talk about it in your small group. We're going to offer Financial Peace University here in just a few weeks. Get in it. Get some help. Let us know you want some help. We'll get someone with you to help you pull your finances into order so let's pray we hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from seacoast vineyard church in myrtle beach south carolina we look forward to you joining us next time on itunes or at our website www.seacoastvineyard.com